Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right, this is the beginning of Head Coach Rankings Week, so every day this week we'll go over a different Power 5 conference and rank all of the coaches. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure you're subscribed. These episodes are going to be avail- available both on YouTube and in every podcast app, so we'd really appreciate you subscribing in both venues. Uh, let us know if you are watching on YouTube. Let us know in the comments below your thoughts on our rankings. Give it a thumbs up if you like the video. But let's get right into it. Uh, Ryan, who is the worst coach here in the ACC? Yeah. All right. Well, we were uh, we were all in agreement here on this one, that number 14, Dino Babers of Syracuse. Um, you know, just really when you look at him, it's just one random good year. Uh, it's just looking like a complete outlier there at Syracuse. Otherwise, it's just been miserable. Um, last year, I mean, they were, it was probably as bad as it's been. They were abysmal, especially offensively. Uh, one of the worst in FBS, they were in the 120s, uh, as far as, uh, SP plus offense. So defense wasn't much better. That was still in the triple digits. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they only won a few, couple games this year, maybe a few. Nothing's going real well right now. There's no real positive momentum you can point to for Babers. It seems like his time is running out fast there. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't get fired after this past year. So very well could come if he doesn't turn it around this year. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Our number 13 is David Cutcliffe of Duke. And we all we all agreed here. Um, And me personally, I've always been a huge Cutcliffe guy. And I think out of... Honestly, I think out of all the conferences, he might be the one I dropped the most compared to last year or at least in years yeah. past. I don't, I don't doubt his X's and O's are still high on the charts, but overall running the program, it feels like it's gone south and a little bit stale. Uh, of course, we know it's extremely difficult to win at a place like Duke and he's done wonders there in his, in his tenure, but recently losing records in three or five years including two and nine last year with an offense, which is his domain that was statistically near the bottom in the country. So it it was hard to rank him any higher at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Based on everything he's done, he'd be a top five coach in the conference, but just right now, I guess we're taking the position that his run might be over. Uh, Moving on to number 12 on our list. It is Jeff Collins of Georgia tech and here, I feel like we take a pretty big jump on the list in terms of upside, like moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Collins has potentially huge upside. So it doesn't mean putting him 12th that we think he sucks. It's just kind of, there's a lot of, I guess, more proven coaches ahead of him. Um, but yeah, he's a great recruiter. It's just on the field so far at Georgia Tech. He hasn't, he hasn't proven anything. Now that's kind of to be expected. It's such a huge transition taking over from Paul Johnson and, you know, completely revolutionizing the offense or modernizing the offense so um they, you know and they did improve this past year which is nice but i guess i just need to see more the potentials there but it just hasn't yet shown up on the field yeah yeah this is a this will be an important year for him year number three jeff sims coming back sophomore year um we'll see they, they should be able to make a little bit of a jump um all right we'll move on here to uh number 11 uh we have pat narduzzi uh from pittsburgh uh, this one we had a little bit of discrepancy as far as the bros here. Um, you guys must have had them pretty low because I had them at seven. Um, and this is kind of the thing that will the common theme here with these ACC coaches when you go through seems like four through like eleven or so. Yeah, it is so just close. You are really hard splitting these guys. So you know, 
I don't think, I don't probably don't think Trey and Michael think Pratt Narduzzi is a bad coach. Um, they just think like, Hey, it's just so close. So they had to put somebody there. Um, but I had him at seven. Um, you know, he's been bowl eligible five out of six years, uh, 29 and 20 in ACC play. You know, the only thing that's he really for him, he just hasn't had a breakout year. He's had good solid years, but just not one that's like, Hey, you know, you could win nine, 10 games. Um, so, you know, recruiting's fine. It, everything's going well. It's just, he hasn't been able to take that, that big leap. So that's why I have him middle of the pack, but still think he's done a, a solid job there. Yeah. It's, it hasn't been awful. And like you said, right. I totally agree with what you said. It, it's, it's razor thin amongst this kind of middle group of coaches in the ACC. It was very difficult for me. And, and maybe I have been unfairly critical of Narduzzi. His defenses recently have improved and overall the team has been a little bit more balanced than, than what it had been. But when I look overall at his tenure, it's just, he's been there six years. He's only won one bowl game and that was the quick lane bowl versus Eastern Michigan. He's lost three others and like, and none of the other bowl games were really marquee games. He's just, he's just been very average. Um, it's not the easiest place to win, but. Six after six years, it just kind of seems like he's hit a ceiling. I don't know if he can break through at this point. Yeah, we'll see. His his latest recruiting class was good, so hopefully, yeah. if if that lives up to the billing, then maybe they can kind of break through. But yeah, he's just been above average or average yeah. to above average, I would say. Yeah, I'm not anti him at all, though. Okay, let's move on to number ten, Mike Norvell of Florida State. And Norvell, he is really difficult to grade, in my opinion. I, I him just in general because it, I've always had a tough time judging him because when he was at Memphis, because he was the guy after the guy when he he followed Fuente, and he ha, he still had a great run at Memphis, of course. And even though he was a hot hire going into Florida State, he had very little ties to the ACC and Florida State in particular. And it's just it's really tough to gauge after one year. Because even though they, it was an ugly three and six, they had major COVID disruptions last year. They were installing a new system with, with of course, no off season. And especially this was to a team that had been dealing with different coordinators pretty much every year, it seems like. So yeah. I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's a bad coach, but uh, he'll have to show something here. Yeah, I, I was the lowest, I guess, here on Mike Norvell. I, they just massively disappointed last year. I know there's excuses built in. There is, but their win total was over like eight or something like that last year. I know they had a yeah, short season. I was, stuff, I was, I was bullish just, on them. They massively, massively disappointed. And like Trey said, I mean, the whole Memphis thing, you just, it's hard to give them a ton of credit for that. And the, the recruiting at Florida State, they've, we've seen them in top 10, top five, top classes type of classes. He's not getting there yet. Um, 2022 is off to a, a solid start, so maybe that'll be yeah. the, the type of class that can do it. But I mean, that's that's a little bit of ways away as far as when those kids are going to be able to play for you. Like this year, they ain't coming. The next year, they're going to be true freshmen. So it's you know, it could have a few bad years before those kids start start making an impact. Uh, you know, and I with we'll see with Mackenzie Milton coming in this year. That might be a big boost. Uh, but I have my doubts um about him. It's uh, I just I, I have a hard time. There's just no. Uh, real super positive things I can point to right now for him. I, I gave him a bit of more of a break, I think, for year one than you did because of obviously COVID. It was a very rough time to be putting in a whole new coaching staff. Um, and recruiting wise, it was also, it was tough to recruit because he's going to a new school. He hasn't built that relationship. Recruiting is, you know, a two, at least a two year kind of process. And so he's mm -hmm. having to build these relationships 
without them being able to come onto campus. So I think that kind of held them back in terms of recruiting. And I think 2022, the class will be much better and hopefully things will, you know, start to trend more positive. Uh, but let's go to number nine on our list. It is Dave Doran of NC State. And he had a, a down 2019 going four and eight. Uh, but that was after they had lost a ton of production, so a little bit excusable, and just you know bounced back in, in 2020 and had a, a very good year. It's been seven, eight, nine wins pretty much every year for him, and and he also did a very good job at Northern Illinois before getting to NC State. So I, I see him like uh, kind of like Pat Narduzzi, maybe just slightly better. We've seen a little bit more upside with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like we said before, the, this middle group, I could have scrambled them all and, and been fine with the order, but Doran just so happened to be kind of at the bottom of my, that, that sh- the way it shook out. Um, 2020, like you said, was, was great, uh, after the abysmal year, but I personally think highly of NC State, the program, and I think it could be even a little bit better than it is. And what I, the thing that kind of brings me back, uh, why I maybe dropped him a couple pegs was a couple years ago when they had that awesome D line coming back, they underachieved. And in his eight years, they've only finished ranked one time and it was 23rd. Not saying it's super easy to win there, but I, I just want maybe a little bit more. That would be why I would, when I would put him a little higher. Yep. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to uh number eight on our list. We got Jeff Halfley uh, from Boston college. Uh, he did, he did a good, good job his first year. No doubt about it. He went six and five. They opted out of a bowl game. Um, they are recruiting way better than they did before. They were in the sixties and seventies, uh, as far as recruiting for a few, for a little while there. And they got, he got up to 37th this past year coming in. So kind of in line with all those other AA school, ACC schools that we, uh, were kind of talking about here. Louisville, maybe Virginia, NC State. So really competitive there. Phil Dracovic has a, had a good, first year there um what a big get that was obviously a huge upgrade um technically he has three years left so i'm not sure if he'll he'll use all those three years but he's they've still got some time left there so nice qb to build around defense got better under halfley there so you know things are looking better things are looking ahead i think he'll probably do better than um uh, adazio i would have to say that at, at this point you're happy you got rid of adazio and yep. uh and obviously replaced him with halfley after year one yeah, I was a little bit lower on Halfley. I, I think this is maybe jumping the gun a little bit to have him ahead of a guy like Dave Doran. Like, it was a solid year one, yes, but I mean, they've been winning seven games pretty much every year under Adazio, so it's not like six and five was, was anything crazy. Um, right. so yeah, I would have him a couple slots lower, but still, if I was a Boston College fan, I, I would be, you know, excited and hopeful about the future. The maybe way I look at it, more upside though. That's yeah, yeah. For sure. Has and the way I looked than Adazio. the way I looked at it was like last year, I didn't know what to do with him. I think we kind of put him in the bottom just because he hadn't been a head coach really. And so we didn't really know. And BC wasn't, I just happened to watch a decent amount of BC games this year and they, I came away impressed. I mean, they lost one to number, they lost a close game to number 12, North Carolina, and then they nearly upset Clemson on the road. They just played with a little bit different passion this year. And I, uh, that's why I kind of boosted him this year. All right. Moving on to a a very polarizing coach in, in the, <laughs> most of these ACC rankings, and probably even amongst the bros here, number seven, Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech. Now, I don't doubt that Fuente can still coach a great offense, but as a CEO in recent years, it's been somewhat of a struggle. Uh, losing seasons in two of the last three years, they're not familiar with that in Blacksburg, and it's been documented uh, often about how 
they've had lots of transfers out of the program. He's flirted with other jobs. And Hokie fans have expressed dismay. Uh, and he's squarely on the hot seat going into this year. Um, and he, he just hasn't been able to get that, even on the defensive side, that the team has really uh, taken a step back. So that being said, he's one of those guys that would still be sought after if he did leave Virginia Tech. But as far as right now, he's on a he's on a shaky seat. Yeah, I was I was by far the highest on Justin Fuente. Fuente, I had him at four, and because I'm I'm kind of I'm trying to grade these coaches in a vacuum, not necessarily just how they're doing at their job right now, but just in general. If I kind of took them and plopped them at a random job, how I think they'd do, and I think he would do well. It starts, you know, back at Memphis when he took over Memphis, they were 117th out of 120 teams in SP plus, so they had been terrible for a few years before he got there. He turned them into one of the best programs in the G5. And then at Virginia Tech, they'd kind of fallen off under Frank Beamer. They were winning, you know, seven games every year uh, for several years running. He took over. Immediately, they were significantly better. 10-4, and 9-4, and four, two top 25 finishes. Recruiting was actually, had had taken a jump up as well the first few years. And like you said, though, there's, it's it's been bad the last three years just I think it might have started, well, I think before the 2018 season, they had a bunch of transfers and injuries, which was odd. And, um, and he flirted, you know, a couple years ago with the, the Baylor job. So yep. there's been some, uh, it seems like the, it's just kind of maybe not a fit anymore. For whatever reason, he's rubbed the fans the wrong way and maybe the administration and, and maybe it's not a fit in Virginia, but I still think he's a good coach. All right. Well, you did your best there, Mike. <laughs> and I mean, even looking at like the last three years where it's kind of been bad, he, they're still 14 and 12 in ACC play. Like it's not great, but I don't think yeah. it erases all the great stuff he did, you know, in the several years before. Yeah. It just seems like it's going the wrong way. Yeah. It does. It does. I kind of want him to just get fired and just start somewhere fresh. Yeah. Start yeah. a, fr- start a new. Yeah. All right. So I think we have, this is a good time to, to take a, a look at our sponsor. My front page story. Uh, so if you use the promo code bros15, you can get one of the, the best gifts out there as Mother's Day approaches. And honestly, it's one of the best Mother's Day gifts out there. So what you, what it is, is you talk to a professional writer about your mom in this case for 10 to 15 minutes and myfrontpagestory.com, their writer will, will write an awesome story about her and it ends up looking like it would on the front page of a newspaper. So if you're looking to do something special or unique this year, this is the time. And it's a fun keepsake that mom will have forever, almost guaranteed to draw emotion from her from mom when giving it to her. The bottom line, when you your mom will be happy and you'll win. So it's myfrontpagestory.com. You use the promo code bros15 for 15% off. That's myfrontpagestory.com, promo code BROS15. All right, so let's uh, move on to number six on our list, Manny Diaz from Miami. And he he took a big jump because uh, after year one last year when, you know, they didn't have a good start, uh, he was 13th in our rankings. but And no one really had a problem with it. Like, I don't think you saw – we didn't hear from many Miami fans complaining about that. But the addition of – D.R. King and Rhett Lashley as offensive coordinator helped them to go eight and three. So you definitely feel way better. Um, and he's recruiting, you know, well, so that, that helps. I was by far the lowest on him at ninth though. And, and like we've been saying the whole time, the theme is like he's ninth, but I, it's razor thin to where I could have him, you know, fourth or fifth. Um, but 
I guess I just want to see more than one solid year. They were 20th in SP plus last year. They had some, some good luck in close games, got blown out in a couple. Um, and I, maybe I'm just thinking about the fact that Mark Richt got off to an even better start yeah. than, than Manny Diaz and, and you saw what ended up happening. So I acknowledge that he's got the upside to be in the top three, but I guess I just want to see a, another good year. And they're supposed to be good this year. So maybe, maybe it's inevitable he'll rise. Yeah. I could, you know, I, like, I'm not, I don't look at your ranking of him and say, oh, you're crazy. I think it's, you know, reasonable. Uh, I had him personally at fourth. Uh, I just, I think I may be factoring in a little more of upside maybe in my rankings here. Um, and I, you know, he obviously is recruiting well and he's got, going to have a great defense. He always has a good D. So, and hey, hopefully Derek King comes back healthy. So that would really help, help his cause this year. Um, but let's move on here to number five. We got, uh, Scott Satterfield. Uh, from Louisville. Uh, some folks might be a little surprised after the, the year that they had this year that we have him at fifth. Um, and I, you know, I may, I think maybe last year we had him at number three. I can't remember exactly where we had him, but we had him, we had him pretty high. It was probably three or four. It was three or four, pretty right. highly thought of. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think I tried not to overreact too much to this past year. Um, they probably should have been better. Yes. Uh, but you know, keep in mind the year before they went eight and five. But that year they completely like maxed out. Like they, that was the most wins they could have got out of that schedule. Um, you know, there was, that really wasn't that great of a team. Um, and then this year, and you know, they won some close games. This year was just like the opposite. They were 0 and 4 in one score games this year. So mm-hmm. they really were pretty comparable teams these past two years. Just one team just had a little more luck than the other. Um, so the recruiting is okay. They're right in the middle of that pack there in the ACC. Um, but I, I just think that that program is in a steadier place than maybe some folks are thinking out, uh, outside of it. So, um, Satterfield's a good coach. He proved it at App State for quite a while. Um, I think he's a good, good coach still. I trust that he'll kind of keep that program afloat and I think they'll have a, a kind of a bounce back year, uh, this coming year. Yeah. He didn't, yeah, I but, mean, he didn't forget how to coach. And I, like you said, I, they were ahead of schedule a couple years ago and yeah, okay. They fell flat last year, but they're, they're a team that, I might buy low going into this season. Yeah. the To kind of play devil's advocate here, even though I had him, maybe I didn't have him quite fifth, but I had him fairly high, is this does have the potential to turn into a kind of Justin Fuente situation because yeah. this past off season, uh he flirted with the South Carolina job. The fans didn't like that. He didn't handle it well in the media. So there's, and of yeah. course they weren't happy with the way they played on the field this season. So there's some ill will there. He needs to turn it around fast before things kind of sour. Yeah. But but like I said, App State, amazing job there and took over a dumpster fire at Louisville. So I think so far, so, you know, so far he's done okay. Yep. All right, moving on to number four, Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia. And in my opinion, he's he's pretty tough to assess because, you know, we all know he did an incredible job at BYU for over 10 years and then gradually has built Virginia into – a better team. They won a bowl game a couple years ago. Somehow he got them to the Orange Bowl the following year. Uh, but then you have to wonder if if they hit their ceiling under him. You know, they're not expected to do a whole lot this upcoming year, but he's going to kind of need to finish this year with some promise. Otherwise, he'll certainly be, I would imagine, much lower on our our list next year. Yeah, he was definitely a, a, a tough one to rank. But he just the reason I have him ranked pretty high is he. Virginia had been really struggling. They'd made one bowl game the previous seven years before he got there. So just to have them, you know, 
very confident so soon is, uh, is pretty good. And, but I will say he's probably, he's fourth on our list. He's probably closer to ninth than he is to like second, you know? Because yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a pretty big jump once we get to that top two coming up. Yes, for sure. Uh, okay. But first we got to get to number three, Dave Clausen from Wake Forest. Uh, you guys both had him third. I had him just a little bit lower at fifth. So I guess I'll present the, the negative side here, even though it's, it's hard to do. There's not much negative you can say about him. Um, I will say not that, that Wake Forest was very good when he took over, but they did get worse the first couple years he was there. They were two and 14 in the ACC. So it, it, it took a while, just like it did at Bowling Green. Like you don't see. At least the last two stints, you don't see immediate improvement. If anything, they get a little worse before things get better. Building it up um, the right way. What's that? He's building it up the right way. Yeah, yeah, he's tearing it down and building it yeah, back up. Maybe exactly. that's what he's doing. But, but yeah, since since that two and fourteen start, they are now seventeen and eighteen in ACC play, which doesn't sound good. But I wake that's that's very good. So that's very good. Um, yeah, I think he. I think I'm fine with him at third. I just don't think the casual fan is aware of how good Clawson is in general. Um, going to five straight bowl games at Wake is really an incredible feat, considering they'd only been to 10 in their entire history before that. Um, he just he manages to get the most out of his guys. And uh, I hear what you're saying, Mike. I mean, I'm not saying he's the second coming of, of Bill Belichick, but he usually has a productive team, productive offense, and, and even will sneak in some quality defensive players. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you, Trey. If, I will say if, if the recruiting had, had kind of ticked up at some point, I would, you know, more, be more likely to put him third, but it's that recruiting level that he's at is just, it puts you, gives you a ceiling, you know, for the most yeah, part. That's true. Yeah. It does. But again, we're talking relative as far as we're trying to put these guys in a vacuum, right, Michael? Uh, true. You know, maybe if he was at North Carolina, that recruiting ceiling wouldn't be there quite as much. So, um, mm-hmm. You know, for what he's given, he's doing a fantastic job. Um, all right, we're going to number two here. We got uh, Mac Brown from North Carolina. Ooh, boy, he's risen up the ranks here um, quickly. Done a great job. 15 and 10 at North Carolina, uh, 11 and 7 in, in ACC play. Made it to the Orange Bowl. Obviously, they had a really good team this past year. I mean, the recruiting is great. 14th class this year after the 13th rank last year. Sam, uh, Sam Howell's got another year left. Maybe two if he decides. Uh, just clearly uh, elevating themselves above kind of the that middle tier of the ACC. They were kind of in that pack with the Louisvilles and the Virginias and all those types of teams. Pitts, they're not there anymore. They're above them with uh, the way the North with the way Mac Brown's done it. So I, he's a clear number two in my eyes. Yeah, I think we've just took a big jump up here. The recruiting and on the field have both been amazing, you know, so far. So. I don't think anyone would disagree with his ranking here. Yep. No, and I got to be honest, he's he's actually done more than I thought he would. I I think any Carolina fan would would look and and say this is the best possible start you could have had through two years. I so it's pretty pretty awesome to see. All right. Yep. Moving on to the obvious number one, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson. I mean, obviously he's one of the easiest to rank in all of the conferences. You know, I you, you could read a litany of of different stats on how good Clemson has been under him but you know you know all of them the fact though that he's turned Clemson into a household name where you rattle off Clemson along the likes of Alabama and Ohio State every year it just shows why he's obviously number one in our rankings and near the top at the overall country 
yeah, there's nothing I can really add yeah. here. The, it's, it's, <laughs> it's weird that the most popular guys on, on these lists, you know, when we get to the SEC, Nick Saban, and when you're talking about yeah. Lincoln Riley and the Big 12, like, you don't really need to say anything. It's just, yeah, like, yep. it, it, yeah, it is what it is. Everybody knows. Okay. Well, let's, uh, put up the, the final list here of, of all the coaches and Ryan, what are, what are your thoughts just kind of overall looking at the ACC head coach list? We've hinted at this, but it's, it was just the hardest conference to rank as far as coaches for me. Um, I, I you know, I, I, I was like, I don't know what to do with Bronco men and I'm just going to put him here. I, I, sometimes I had no real good reason. I was just like, I got to pick somebody. I'll pick him. Like it was too hard. This one was tough. We'll get to some easier conferences, but oof, you know, maybe next year it'll be a little easier in this conference. I don't know. Yeah. No, I would, I mean, we've kind of said it the whole episode, but I would just, if you're letting us know in the comments below, I mean, hey, you can call us idiots or give us your thoughts, but just know <laughs> that just because we had Pat Narduzzi 11th and Scott Satterfield 5th doesn't mean I think there's some massive gap between the two. It, not at all. It's just like they're, they're it's real, so they're close. Neck neck. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly with you guys. I echo your sentiments. It was, it was difficult. Alrighty, well, we've still got four more conferences to go, so, uh, thanks for watching this one. Uh, we'd really appreciate, or listening, if you're, if you're listening on our, in a podcast app, uh, we'd really appreciate the, the YouTube viewers, though, to give our video a thumbs up, leave a comment, uh, like I, like we've said a few times, we're hoping to, to grow the show this week, putting out a lot of episodes, so, would appreciate your support. Uh, so, thank you for doing that, and we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.